0: If you're new to Grace Church, our habit is to study through books of the Bible, uh, to preach everything in those books if possible, and uh, see God work in us through His Word. We've we've been studying through Ecclesiastes, and we're uh, beginning this morning Solomon's final summary as he moves us toward his conclusion, which we'll see in verses 13 and 14. But this morning we're going to look at verses uh, 11, 7 through 12, 1. So I'll read those for us before we pray. This is God's Word. Chapter 11, verse 7. Light is sweet and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all, but let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. Before the evil days come and the years draw near in which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Thus far, God's word, let's pray together. Lord, we bow before you. We pray that you would work in us and through us. We pray that you, by your Spirit, would apply your word to our hearts. So help me to preach your word in the power of the Spirit, truthfully, accurately. Lord, help us to hear Your Word with a passion to put it into practice, to have it shape our hearts and therefore our lives. Bless the preaching and the hearing of Your Word. Lift high Your Son, accomplish Your purpose, build Your kingdom, convert and grow in grace Your people. We lean on You and look to You for blessing We know it is Your will, so we trust You for it. In Jesus' holy name. Amen. May the good Lord be with you. Down, (laughs) Reboot. Thank you. May the good Lord be with you down every road you roam. And may sunshine and happiness surround you when you're far from home. And may you grow to be proud, dignified, and true, and do unto others as you as have done to you. Be courageous and be brave, and in my heart you will always stay forever young, forever young, forever young, forever young. young. Rod Stewart wrote that song for his kids. And his kids might stay forever young in his heart. But they will not in this world and neither will you. Kids, youth is temporary. And what God calls on you to do is make the most of it. For his glory. And you're you're good. This will be sort of, I guess if it's a primary aim, it's a primary aim at the youth this morning. But it really goes through that to all of us. There's something here. For us all. But young people. Truth. You will grow older. And it will happen fast. My mom told me one time. When I was a kid. She said the older you get the faster it goes. Listen young people. That's perspective. It seems that way. It does seem to accelerate. The longer that we live. Look at the oldest person you know. The only difference between you and them is a little time. And it will pass fast. Growing old is not for sissies. But growing old is a little more fun if you don't regret your youth. Now is the time for you to begin to love and glorify the Lord. See, we've been studying through the book of Ecclesiastes, and some of you haven't been with us through the the whole thing. But what Solomon is doing is not just looking around and saying everything is meaningless, so just do the best you can. He's shaking us. He's saying, wake up, realize where you live, look up, because here, under the sun, it's all vanity. What does that mean? Hebel. It's temporary, it's passing. Nothing stays. It all goes by. Nothing here is substantial enough to sustain your joy and your happiness and to provide purpose and joy for you that you're seeking for. So Solomon is saying, look around under the sun. Realize this is a fallen world. Yes, you see injustice. Yes, you see death. Yes, you see sin everywhere you look. But that's how a fallen world should look. So look above the sun to the one who reigns. He will give you purpose and joy, and faith, and satisfaction. And He will send you forth on mission in this world. So today we're, we're, as I said, beginning His final summary as He's leading us to the conclusion. Look in verse 13. Not that nothing matters, but that that's the end of the matter. The, the lesson He's trying to teach us is to fear God and keep His commandments. To love Him, to trust Him, to delight in Him, to follow Him, embrace Him, have His Word shape our hearts and lives. Come to faith in Jesus. Grow in grace in Jesus. May the Spirit work in us that kind of sanctification that delights in God and in His ways and in His commandments. And it is our joy to walk in them in our grief when we don't. And we want to be free from all sin and be with Christ forever. But this, this, this section right here, again, I'm going to speak uh, to the youth a good bit but it's applicable to us all, 11.7 to 12.1. And I want to challenge the youth first and then all the rest of you to live quorum Deo. You say, oh good, thanks, that helps. <laughs> live quorum Deo. What that means is, is to live consciously in the presence of God, to live under the gaze of God, under the authority of God, to to the glory of God, to live not just to exist in His presence, but to be conscious of His presence and return a love for Him that causes us to live for His glory. Let His presence shape your life in His grace for His glory and for your good. It's to understand that whatever we are doing and wherever we are doing it, we are doing it in his presence. So to live Coram deho is to live every day with an awareness of him, a love for him, seeking to glorify him in all that we say and do. Before the face of God, literally. That's what that means. So the main point is, live coram Deo by rejoicing daily, by removing evil, and by remembering your Creator. Look back in verse 7. We'll start with rejoicing daily. Live coram Deo by rejoicing daily. He says, light is sweet, and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. What he's saying here basically is the basics. Find joy in the basics, in the fundamental things, in the... uh, the, the things that maybe we tend to just presume upon and, and take for granted and look over. He's saying enjoy the small ordinary occurrences in life. Here, I mean, just sunlight. It is pleasant to be in the sun, to see the light of the sun. If, you've had, if we've had a like over the winter when it would rain forever and you wouldn't see the sun, that affects some people more than others. It really affects some people and some of us do better. But boy, when the sun comes back out, it's it's glorious, isn't it? It's great. What he's saying is don't presume on or rush by or ignore God's basic fundamental gifts in this life. Take note of them. Everything you have, life, breath, you fill in the list. Everything good is a gift of the Lord. So, we can blame all the good stuff on Him and all the bad stuff on us. But don't rush by. Don't ignore God's basic gifts. You know, enjoy the sunrise, enjoy the sunset, enjoy the sun shining on your shoulders. Let it remind you that there is a God who created and sustains all this and that you are dwelling in His presence, under His gaze, before His face. God is good. And he has provided so much good to us, and we deserve none of it. None of it. Life is precious. Look at verse 8. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in the fun ones. Let him rejoice in them all. But let him remember that the days of darkness will be many, and all that comes is vanity. Treasure your days. Every day is a gift of God. Every single day is a gift of God. We'll talk more about that later. Now hear me. God is sovereign. He is in control. We've talked about that. There's not a maverick molecule in the universe, R.C. Sproul. He has given you all of your days, the good ones as well as the bad ones. And that's going to bring some mystery because some of our days hurt. But would you rather know a God who's in control of that and using it and promises to make it all work together for good or just think your life is under chance and time. No promise there. See, that our days are a package gift. Every day has a purpose. God is at work. Rejoice daily even on the days when it's through tears. He says right here, rejoice in them all. All of the years. All of the days implied because they are a gift of God. Don't fritter your life away waiting just for the good days. When all the trouble is over. When there'll be no more stress in life. You know why? That is a fantasy. That day won't come until the new heavens and the new earth. In this world you will have trouble. Jesus said, but be of good cheer for I have overcome it. Waiting To embrace the day when it's a good day is wasting probably most of our days. Embrace each day and rejoice in God and His gifts. Trust God every day. Find joy in the ordinary every day. Trust God for each day that He is sufficient for it and will perform everything accomplishing all of His will in it. Trust God when you're young. Look at this, it says, remember that the days of darkness will be many. There'll be days of darkness, there'll be days of struggle, but you're also going to grow old. You're going to grow older. And that brings its own set of struggles. It's a picture here. You're going to grow older. So enjoy your youth while you have it. And he ended that verse, all that comes is vanity. Now, you know, he talked about that word vanity and how it means, you know, hebel means, means breath, literally. Just a puff. Just a puff of air. A breath of air. It's here and it's gone. It's temporary. So even the struggles of the darker days, they will pass. You heard the saying, this too will pass. But especially while you're young. Look, he turns it. Look in verse 9. Rejoice, O young man. Or young person, rejoice in your youth. Rejoice. Yes, the dark days will come, but you are young now and enjoy being young. Rejoice in your youth. But it might confuse you to see what he says here. It says, O young man in your youth, let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. So in other words, you you should enjoy it. Now watch this. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes. Now you know I say over and over and over that the the most dangerous theology you can hear is follow your heart. Jiminy Cricket, it worked for a song, but it don't work for life. Why? Because the heart is evil. It's bent towards sin. You better follow God and His Word. So let me just say up front, what this verse is not saying is follow your heart. Follow your feelings. Have a Western idea of the heart that it's just this seed of emotion and let it lead you around. While you're young, sow your wild oats. You ever heard that? God didn't tell you that. The world flesh and the devil will tell you that. But God didn't say that. When, this says, look, when it says walk in the ways of your heart, it's commonly misunderstood as follow your heart. But that's not what it means. Remember in the Old Testament, for the, for the Hebrew, the heart is not the seat of emotion. It's, not the, it's the seat of intellect. Right? It's how we know things. It's where we know things. It's the seat of the intellect and understanding. As a person thinks in his heart. See, the heart thinks what we call the mind. Not saying there is no emotion. But what he's saying here when he says that is to have our minds shaped by the reality of God and the fact that we live in His presence. And what he's saying is young people behave with understanding. Understanding of what? Behave with a good understanding. Look what the rest of the verse says. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these things, God's about your fun. He is. He wants you to have joy. He's not a killjoy. But joy can only be found. True joy, lasting joy can only be found in one place, and that's in God, through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. In other words, we will all give account of our words and deeds to God. Every knee will bow before me, he says. So, you know, look to the future and live in that light. Know that there will be a judgment day. And live in that light. So live with understanding of that so that you can really grasp what God has for you in your youth Living for His glory and finding the joy that is there for you in Jesus Christ. Enjoying your youth. Youth, Young people, enjoy your youth in a way that glorifies God. That's what He's saying. Then you have no fear of Judgment Day. And when you're old, you don't look back with a lot of regret, like a lot of us do over a lot of things. But you're living for God, you're living with understanding. You're behaving with understanding. Seek joy every day. Just seek it in the right place. Be grateful to God for your youth. Don't just take it for granted. And I know this is a general statement. And, and, you know, within general statements, there's always exceptions to people who even struggle greatly in their youth, you know, with health problems and things like that. But they're still, in Christ, there's still much reason for rejoicing. So seek joy every day that you live, young people, but do it within the boundaries of God's moral authority expressed in God's commandments, especially while you're young. Rejoice, young person, in your youth and let your heart cheer you in God in the days of your youth. Walk in His presence. Walk in the ways of your heart in the sight of your eyes. Walk with understanding, knowing that judgment is coming. And we'll talk more about that in a minute. So he's saying, live coram deo, live live before the face of God, live in his presence, under under his notice, live every day in his presence, and joyfully live under his authority because of his grace. God, yes, he's omnipresent. You know what omnipresence of God means? He's everywhere present in the fullness of his being, he's not stretched thin. Part of Him over here and part of Him over here. and He doesn't just know what's happening in every place and in every heart. Like He's present here in the fullness of His being. And how might that shape the way that we live? Well, let's look at... I want to read something for you. I just have to read this. I don't don't have time to spend a lot of time talking about it. But I would encourage you to go meditate on Psalm 139 as it relates to God's presence and then how that might shape things for us. But look at Psalm 139. In your Bible or on the screens, it'll be there. Now watch what uh, David says about God. And this is true for everybody. You're, you, there's nowhere to hide. There's nothing you can hide, and there's nowhere to hide. Watch this. But, it, I mean, it's good for those who trust God. I know this scared me to death, thank you. About stuff like this before I was in Christ and confident that I was forgiven. It's, it's, it can be earth-shattering knowledge, but look at verse 1. Oh Lord, You have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways, even the inner ways, the heart. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, you... Even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully... And wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. You saw, your eyes saw my unformed substance. Now look at his sovereignty. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me. See all the days written down before you were born. God, your life, death, it's all marked out. You're not a robot. Can't go there. The days that were formed for me when as yet there was none of them. God knows everything about you. And He has provided for your joy. Provided you will seek it in Him. Seek it in the wrong places and it will be like jello, squeezing jello or sand passing through your fingers. There's temporary sort of delight and then it just fades, doesn't it? Because this world can't sustain it. But living, young people, living coram deo, you have all the fuel you need to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. That's Philippians 4 4. Rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. So that's living coram deo by rejoicing daily. God does command us to rejoice daily, and He's given us everything necessary for life and godliness if it be found in Christ, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But secondly, live quorum Deo by removing evil. Look at this, and I'm not in Ecclesiastes, I'm in Psalms. Here we go. Look at, look at verse 10. We need, we need to do a little bit of explanation here too, is especially if you're you know, in the ESV. You can see it in a footnote. But it says, remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body for youth and the dawn of life are vanity. Youth will pass quickly. It's running, it's going. The kids are growing up. I mean, it was amazing this Friday night to see kids that, it seems like when I blinked, they were small and now they're graduating from K through 12, graduating from what we call high school. Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body. Here's the point. If, you, if you're walking in God's presence, first point, and able to delight in every day, God's presence and His blessing, that joy should be, have a purifying effect in your life. And it says here, by doing what's already come, and He says, remove vexation from your heart. Vexation, what is that? That sounds fun, doesn't it? It's emotional distress. Turmoil, worry, anxiety. How are we to address our anxiety and our worry and our vexation, which comes natural to us living in a fallen world? Well, it's by looking up above the sun, by looking to God, by taking Him seriously, living in His presence, finding the joy that is there in Christ, and then doing this. Look at the role that repentance plays. In true joy. Now it says here, if you're reading the ESV, if you, it's probably that way on the slide. It says, remove uh, vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body. For youth and donor or vanity, they're fleeting. They're, they will go away. But that, that, word that word for pain, that should be evil. That's really what that should be, say. Remove evil. Wickedness. Turn. Repent. Take repentance seriously. Repentance and faith are two sides of the same coin. And there's an initial repentance and faith when when we're converted, when we come to faith in Jesus. There's also a lifelong aspect to that repentance and faith. We don't quit repenting any more than we quit trusting when we come into the Christian life. And right now he's saying one of the ways that you live Coram Deo and one of the ways that you remove vexation from your heart by living Coram Deo and resting in all God is for you is to put away evil from your body. To turn from evil. Repentance brings refreshment and healing mentally and sometimes physically. It will remove the vexation. It will be you walking in the right way. As I said already, youth is not a time to sow your wild oats. It's time to take the Lord seriously, to know Him, to trust Him, and to follow His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the time to walk in repentance. How? Why? One name, Jesus. See, the reason Christ came, and Galatians 4.4 4 says He came at exactly the right time. The reason the second person of the Trinity, the reason God the Son would take to Himself a true human nature and be born on this earth to be truly God and truly man in one person, the Lord Jesus Christ, was so that He might live under His own law and fulfill all righteousness. Why? Because we have broken it. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Right? That's what Scripture says. What is sin? It's any lack of conformity to or transgression of God's law. The Ten Commandments show us what sin is. And it's thought, word, and deed. And every associated sin with each one of those commandments. See, we, we had broken God's law. We have gone our own way. What, what does Isaiah say? All we like sheep have gone astray each one turning to his own way. And the Lord laid on him our iniquity. The iniquity of the ones that were given to the Son before the foundation of the world. And Christ died on that cross not just because He was betrayed and not as a victim of the Roman Empire and the Jews. He died on that cross. Yes, they made all those choices that they were responsible for, but it fulfilled the plan of God who is sovereign and in control And His Son was on that cross, yes, suffering physically and horribly, but the physical suffering was nothing compared to the wrath of God poured out on Him on that cross for the sins of His people. He took our hell. He took our punishment that we deserve to pay upon Himself on the cross. And because He was not just a man, He's the God-man, He drank that cup dry and could say before He left the cross, died. It is finished, literally paid in full. And he was buried, stayed under the power of death for a time, and the third day he rose again defeating death, proving the gospel is true, and appeared to over 500 people at one time, stayed with His disciples for over 40 days, teaching them and showing them and preparing them for their mission. And He ascended into heaven where He sits at the right hand of God now, reigning to see His gospel go to the ends of the earth and He's coming again someday. And my question is, are you trusting Him? Are you trusting Him? Have you... Believed in the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you received Him as your Savior? Have you taken Him as He is presented in the Gospels? Not the Jesus we make up. The one the Word reveals. Are you trusting in Christ and Christ alone for your salvation? Well, initially, in order to do that, you must trust, yes. You must repent. You must turn from something to something from sin and rebellion to submission and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it helps us, since He's saying, remove evil from your body, it helps us to, to know what repentance is. Because that's what He's talking about here. Shorter Catechism, question 87. If you want to jump ahead and memorize 86 and 87, I think it'll help you. What is saving faith? What is true repentance? What is repentance unto life? Repentance unto life is a saving grace. It's God's work. Applying the gospel to us, the Spirit. Now watch this. Repentance. What, how, do I, how do I remove evil from my, from my body? How do I remove evil from my practice? How do, I, how do I repent in a way that honors God? How do I trust Him and follow Him? Well, the definition of repentance giving here as a saving grace is whereby a sinner, now watch this, There's no possibility of this without the Spirit applying the Word. This is a Word-centered repentance. Because that's where our understanding comes from of our sin and of our salvation. But watch this. A sinner out of a true sense of his sin. So in other words, we understand what sin is. We don't just water it down. We see it as a violation of God's commandments, deserving His wrath. We, we see sin in our own hearts. We see that we've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We see that this thing is evil and should be turned from. This thing will bring condemnation. Sin, the soul that sins shall die. The wages of sin is death, Scripture says. And that's physical death, spiritual death. That's separation from God. Eternal death. Eternal punishment. However you want to look at that, it's true. So out of a true sense of sin... Now, look, there's another aspect. And an apprehension of the mercy of God in Christ. So, not just wallowing in our sin and not knowing what to do about it, but we're convicted of our sin and we see that God has promised cleansing. He's promised salvation. He's promised mercy in His Son who's lived, died, and been raised for us. So we get a true sense and and apprehension of both of those things. The, The heinousness of sin and the glory of the mercy of God available in Jesus Christ. Now watch what happens in our heart. Does with grief and hatred of His sin. There's no repentance without contrition. And you know what contrition is? Notice that first word, grief, and then hatred of His sin. A broken and contrite heart God will not despise. Indeed, He creates in us when He grants repentance to us. Contrition, or this grief and hatred. This is me grieving over the fact, not that I've been caught. That's attrition. Contrition is me grieving over the fact that I have offended God. Look what He has done in the sacrifice of His Son. And of giving me life in all of my days. And I have taken that life and used it against Him. And said, I'll have all your blessings, but you shall not rule my life. But when the Spirit's at work in us, yes, He convicts us of sin. And especially initially, we see our sin and our, that we deserve wrath. I remember being scared to absolute death to go to sleep. Because I knew, I knew I deserved condemnation. I knew where I should go. And listen, this grief and hatred is not perfect, but if the Spirit's at work, He will grieve us over our sin. Why Why do you think tears are such a common experience with conversion? The Spirit will convict us of our sin and cause us not just to hate the fact that we're caught and not just to want a ticket to heaven but keep living like we're living, but the Spirit will make us grieve over our sin such that we want to turn from it to Christ who was sacrificed for us and embrace Him as mercy and grace and find salvation in Him. So grief and hatred. Has God caused you to hate your sin? Because, see, we'll play with God sometimes. We want God. We want to go to heaven. We just don't want to live like heaven now. So we'll, we'll play with God and we'll make all kinds of excuses about how we can't be free from this thing. Do you hate sin? Do you want to be free from it because you love God? Do you want Christ Jesus to be life? And not just a ticket to heaven. See, those are good signs. Because true repentance, we we get a true sense of sin and an apprehension of the mercy of God. And with grief and hatred of our sin, we turn from it to God. And it's not grievous to turn from it. And we wish we were free from it completely. Completely. But look at this, with for full purpose of and endeavor after new obedience. In other words, true repentance is an inside out thing. It's not an outside in thing. You just can't, it's not Bob Newhart. You've, you've seen that counseling clip. Stop it. Right? We think that if we can just shape our behavior the right way, then our heart will follow. But no, the heart has to be changed for the life to follow. And the deeds, the new deeds, the new obedience is fruit. Of repentance yeah it is a change of mind but it's so much more than that it's a change of orientation change of perspective about everything we go from loving sin to hating it we go from hating God to loving him and you say no I didn't hate God we if the love of God is to keep his commandments with joy that's what John says the love of God is when I don't keep his commandments with joy Yes, repentance takes our, it changes our love from self and sin to God in righteousness so that we turn and grow in turning. The whole Christian life is a, is a life of repentance and sanctification won't be complete until we're glorified. So there's no possibility of perfection in this life, but there should be growth. John tells us in 1 John that if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us. He also tells us if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Sanctification is growth in grace. But it flows out of a love for God and a grief and a hatred of sin, an embracing of Christ as the mercy we don't deserve. Do you hate sin? Do you love Jesus? If you have any love for Christ in your heart, God put it there. And your life will prove it as you grow in grace. Your life's going to prove whether you love sin or you love Jesus. Your heart's going to prove it. You know in your heart what you love. And what Solomon is calling us to is a full embrace of God's redemption so that we delight in our days. Young people, begin now delighting in your days in a Christ-centered, in a God-centered way. Rejoicing in your youth, knowing it will pass, investing it wisely. God can use you. Do you know that? Young people, God can and will use you. Maybe you don't think so. But He's the sufficiency. The only difference between me and you is a little bit of time. He'll put His hand on you and use you. Take Him seriously. Enjoy Him. Remove vexation. Address your, your struggle, your inner turmoil by turning to Him and removing evil from your body. It flows from faith. Right? And it's, it's, you can't separate them. We just talk about the difference. But again, repentance and faith go together. Sometimes one's mentioned. Sometimes the other's mentioned. Sometimes they're both mentioned. But it's conversion. It's one thing. Now look in Proverbs 3, 5, and 8. It'll be on the screen. Redemption brings us into harmony with the Lord so we can grow in living for Him by faith. Look at this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Some of you are still leaning on your own understanding. You'll only do what makes sense to you. You're judging God instead of submitting to Him. When all the while, infinite wisdom is going to transcend you. You'll never figure it all out. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make straight your paths. Look at this. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Repentance reduces stress by bringing the mind back into submission to God and trust in Him that produces peace and the fruit of repentance which is growing new obedience or growing righteousness in the life so live by live coram deo by rejoicing daily and by removing evil and lastly by remembering your creator this brings us back around look at verse 12 i mean chapter 12 verse 1 remember also your creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and the years draw near which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Now, again, talking about the process of growing older. and we're, This is kind of a transition point in this little section where we transition from sort of talking about the youth and the fleetingness of it and how to invest it for God to the fact of growing older and, and what that can mean and pointing us on into Solomon's conclusion of, of glorifying God and, and, and fearing Him and uh, knowing that judgment will come someday. But look at that first word, remember. Remember. Same word used of remembering the Sabbath in in Exodus 20. Remember your Creator. Continually remember. Never forget your Creator. Live in light of the fact that He created you. He is your source and authority. He defines you. you. When you forsake a knowledge of God, what are some of the most fundamental questions you have? Why am I here? Where did I come from? Where am I going? I can't find the answer. Well, because you've sort of ejected the answer. And this is saying remember your Creator. Know whose you are, know where you come from, know what your purpose is. God created you. Remember the psalm we read, He knit you together your mother's womb. He's written down all of your days. Therefore, you are responsible to Him. You are His creation created in the image of God with a responsibility to live in a way that glorifies Him. And having been born a sinner, the first step in that responsibility is to turn and trust in Jesus and receive forgiveness and cleansing and power the Holy Spirit for new life so that you can begin walking out a joyful obedience to Him. In walking that all the way out through whatever calling he's placed on your life whether it be in the home or in the workplace God has created you with certain gifts and abilities and if you'll seek him he will show you what he's made you to do every occupation is a calling but he says young people remember your Creator now he says in the days of your youth before Aging comes. Remember your Creator. Don't forget Him. No matter how you feel, He's your Creator. And His Word defines you. Your feelings don't define you. That's another thing of our, our sort of... if postmodernism thinks if they've rightly con- c- uh, critiqued modernism, you know, then, then there's no truth and everything's just who whatever we feel or whatever we think. And so my feeling, No. You're God's creation. You're here because of Him. He gives you life and breath and everything you have. As Ian says all the time, you have far better than you deserve. So remember him. Believe in him. Whether or not you do, this is true. There is a creator. There is a true and living God. And you will stand before him one day. And you can't can't say, I didn't feel like it was true. He's like, even my creation holds us without excuse. You have a creator, remember him. Live for Him. Love Him. Don't forget Him. Enjoy your days, but enjoy them under His authority and in His grace in Christ Jesus so that you can find joy. How do we remember Him? I'll just, just a few things. By knowing Him. In and through Jesus. He's, Jesus Himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Me. There's one way. Go His way. Know him. And then loving him. Wow, Christ fulfilled all righteousness for you. Christ tied to pay the penalty for your sins. He is reigning for you and will take you all the way home someday. So rest in his grace and love him. The gospel. If the gospel hasn't produced love in your heart, you don't understand it. You still think you have some way of adding to or achieving your right way or your way with God. So know Him and love Him and third, trust Him and then fourth, joyfully obey Him. That's how we remember Him. By knowing Him, loving Him, trusting Him and obey Him. Knowing that we were created for His glory. Look at at Isaiah 43, 6 and 7. I will say to the north, give up and to the south, do not withhold. Bring My sons from afar and My daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by My name, whom I created for My glory, whom I formed and made. Youth, if you haven't started before today, begin today remembering Him in a biblical way. And if you're not a youth anymore, that doesn't let you off the hook. Because God, Acts 17, the end of the chapter, He has sacrificed His Son and on the basis of that and the resurrection of Christ, He commands all people everywhere to repent. He commands you to live coram deo before His face, intentionally in His presence, for His glory, by the power of His Spirit, according to His Word, in His glorious Son, who is our mercy and grace and redemption. Begin remembering Him today. Know that your life and its trials are a vapor. They will be over quickly in light of eternity. Eternity awaits. Judgment is coming. So live each day in the light of that day. And don't wait until you're older to invest in the kingdom of God. Start today. All of us, every day, is an opportunity to start over. His mercies are new every morning. There's cleansing, forgiveness, filling with His Spirit, empowering for the day every morning if you'll take Him seriously and live in His presence before His face. Forgiveness, growth in living for Him is all a gift of His grace. So to young and old, I'm just going to mention these because I'm out of time. Live coram Deo. Live before the face of God in this way. Number one, rejoicing daily. Every day is a gift. God is sovereign. He's in control. You can trust Him. He will make all things work together for good. Even though some things are so hard you can't imagine it. He's with you and for you. Never to leave you nor forsake you. So live coram Deo by rejoicing daily. Live coram Deo by removing evil. Number two, repentance. Real repentance. Christ-centered repentance word-defined repentance so that we hate sin and love Him and seek by His grace and power to turn from it and live for Him. So rejoice and repent and remove evil and remember your Creator. Walk in this reality. Never forget Him. He is a gracious and merciful God. He is long-suffering. And in Christ Jesus, He has removed our sin as far from us as the east is from the west. In other words, it is gone. So we can trust in Him and know that we are reconciled and empowered to live Coram Deo. Trust and rest in Jesus both for this life and the life to come. And in the new heavens and the new earth, catch this, you will be forever young. To live is Christ. Let's pray. Lord, save those who don't know You. Sanctify those who do. Be glorified in our midst, in our lives. Help us to walk with a conscious dependence upon You, a conscious embracing of Your, of your presence. And, and for those of us who know You in Christ, You are not just here, You're in us by Your Spirit. You've given us a new heart with new desires, a love for You. It causes us to, yes, walk in Your commandments and grieve when we don't and repent and continue striving to obey You because You will not give up on us. Someday You'll finish the work and glorify us. And we will live with You in the new heavens and the new earth forever. Work repentance and faith in the hearts that don't know You this morning. Grow repentance and faith in the hearts of those who do know you this morning. Help us all to live Coram Deo, every day, throughout the day, intentionally in your presence and for your glory. Thank you for your grace. We look to you and rejoice in the name of our Savior and the fact that we have a Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen stand and sing